Blog Talk Radio. Shemalek Mahilama Shemahezahilma Sona Shenevorat Fed Uh, 
Sergeant mm. Brian Levine of the Hillsborough County Sheriff's mm. Department. Brian was a 31-year veteran of the uh, department. He was, I said, he was three hours away from his retirement. Uh, he was a father, a, a mentor to many, many young guys coming on the job, and in fact, had just mentored his his daughter. Uh, he was her field training officer for four four weeks, and um, she uh, she's going to be a cut out of the uh, same style that Brian was. Honorable, um, knows the job, knows what she has to do, and they get along. Um, Brian, I know it's the end of watch, but we love you, brother. Amen. Amen. You know, hey, thanks for that, Frank. Uh, the, not everybody that's listening in knows, but uh, here in Tampa Bay, uh, the whole community is shaken by that uh, by that tragic loss. Uh, you you put it right that. Uh, this was uh, this was one of the more respected, one of the most respected uh, sheriff's uh, department uh, officers in, in in duty, and as you said, just tragic. Uh, three hours away from uh, retirement, just finishing out his shift, and just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it's just uh, awfully tragic. And he, he's a, he's a, he was really a young man too. And yep. you're right, he uh, his daughter's part of the same uh, same unit, and this is a guy who. Um, spent innumerable hours uh, each week helping uh, the youth in the area. I mean, he 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 went beyond um, the role of what a, an officer does. Um, much like you, Frank. I mean, he put so much time into the community and gave back to the community that uh, that he was a part of. Uh, he was he's a community hero, no doubt about it. And uh, it's a tragic loss here in Tampa Bay. You know, I yeah, and I think also, that. Frank, we should mention that uh, you've been associated with the sheriff's office for such a long period of time. So this is not someone that you knew casually. This is someone that you really knew uh, during a long period of time within the job. Yes. Well, I was, I was just going to say, uh, you know, this is, I, not knowing this gentleman, but, I mean, it's a tragedy. I mean, it's unbelievable tragedy. But he's a Hall of Famer. And we lost the Hall of Famer in baseball today. Mm. Yeah, you're right, <laughs> Roger. He is a Hall of Famer, uh, and I, I assume you're you're referring to Don Sutton. Yeah, yeah, that's what I just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, 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 I, uh, okay, are you having? I'll tell you one of the one of the most remarkable uh, baseball players for such a long period of time came up through the Dodger organization. In fact, he was signed uh, by the Dodgers uh, two uh, two months before the draft actually was initiated in, in Major League Baseball. And uh, there's been only two pitchers that uh, have thrown more innings than Don Sutton did. And uh, uh, he uh, he was just an outstanding, outstanding. Only Cy Young and Nolan Ryan made more starts than Sutton, who uh, – Never was never he never landed on the injured list in 23 years. He pitched 23 years, wow. never missed a start. Well, I'll tell you what, Don. He was also a great uh, broadcaster. And yes, I he was in Atlanta. In Atlanta, a great broadcaster. And uh, our good friend Derek Gunn uh, put out on uh, a, a tweet about uh, he was a big fan of his because he grew up in Milwaukee. Derek did. 
and he had this mug and a beer stein, and it had all the list of the uh, players in the uh, uh, Brewers Hall of Fame. But the other thing is, uh, since, you know, we're going to be talking about the NFL, how about that Phillip Rivers has called it a day in his NFL <laughs> career? That's Don's buddy, Phillip Rivers. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, yeah, I remember about this, and, and then I'll shut up. I re- what I remember is being at the NFL draft in New York, when Eli Manning and Philip Rivers were drafted, and Eli Manning would not play for San Diego. And that's when they made the trade, and that was like the big, big deal going on at the draft at the time. I'll never forget it. I was there, and it was some uh, draft, let me tell you. And, of course, the, the rest of them, they both went on. Unfortunately, Philip Rivers never uh, got to a Super Bowl, but uh, he had a great career and uh about Mike Conti, who we've had on, his brother is the uh, head of PR for the Colts, and he put out a tweet about, uh, you know, what a great career Rich, uh, Rivers had, and and I congratulate him. Just a class act uh, for the NFL. Well, we'll give Roy's uh, input in just a second, too, but you also should add to that, Roger, that uh, uh, Eli's father was very much involved in everything that the two boys did, and he was very much involved in the fact that he didn't want his son to play in San Diego. Oh, absolutely, Don. And, of course, mm-hmm. Archie is now the uh, uh, CEO of the uh, the uh, National Football Foundation. And I've had the opportunity to talk to him several times at uh, meetings, and he's just a, uh, you know, a terrific guy. But you're exactly right. Archie uh, was adamant that he, uh, Eli was not going to play uh, you know, in a, a minor uh, media uh, uh, city. And, you know, that's the rest is history. Well, he had played his whole career with a team that didn't have a chance to win. And right. so he was very right. conscious of what could happen there. And uh, But let's right. get back to Roy because this is his time period. And uh, more importantly, <laughs> uh, everything that they wanted from uh, Mr. Brady came to fruition. Uh, they're going to Green Bay and uh, only four clubs of I come out of a game like that to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, Roy, what do you think? Yeah, they are uh, yet another step closer. You, they, they haven't quite yet got everything they wanted out of Tom Brady. They wanted a Super Bowl and, uh, and a championship at that. So uh, they're not quite there. I think their toughest uh, test is ahead of them. Um, it turns out that uh, I, I, whether it was the injuries or, or he just knew that he had hit the wall, uh, it, was, it was pretty obvious that Drew Brees uh, picked the right time to retire based on how he looked in the game last week. Uh, Tom Brady, just he doesn't look like he's ready for retirement anytime soon. He continues to play at an extremely high level. Um, even though that, that battle between Brady and Brees last week didn't quite turn out to be the, the quarterback battle that everybody hoped it would be, uh, a little subdued on that end. The quarterback play was okay. It wasn't solid. Uh, wasn't very even very good at all from Breeze, but Brady didn't have to be spectacular in that game. He just had to be uh, just had to be sharp and just be good and just not turn it over. And he uh, he won that battle. Now, I think they got a tougher battle this week against Aaron Rodgers. Not just because Aaron Rodgers is a little bit more equipped at this point to uh, you know to beat just about anybody, but um, it, it's tough for the Bucks to to go into an environment like Lambeau Field, and even though the fans won't be there. Uh, the fact that it's going to be 24 degrees, possibly snowing, uh, that, that's mm-hmm. not easy for anybody. And, uh, you know, you got a couple of guys who, who know what it's like. 
in uh, Brady and Gronkowski, but it's a tough order for Tampa Bay, no, no doubt. If they get to the Super Bowl, they will have earned it because it is not easy to go on the road as often as they have in these playoffs, as you pointed out, Don, and, uh, and get there. So tough order for them. Tommy? Oh, I agree with you about that, Roy. You know, the Bucks. you know, you look back this year for the Bucks. I mean, you know, Bruce Harris did a great job coaching, and him and Brady had a standoff right there. But look at this way. It's hard. It's eye of the tiger, heart of, the, heart of Tampa Bay right now. And it, it, like I said before, several times in this program, wasn't for our Tampa Bay Lightning winning the cup, the Rays to the World Series. Now it's the Bucks' turn to try to get in the Super Bowl, their home city, which I think they can. And Bert Bell said, I think Bert Bell said, any given Sunday, it could happen. But I got a funny Don Sutton story, guys. You, you know, just but uh, you got to hear this story. When Don Sutton played for the Brewers, and a dear friend of mine, Bob Gibson, played for the Brewers too, as a relief pitcher. So he was in Cleveland one day, and he he left his tickets and that, and would say, "We'll go to the Flats after the game." Now, for people who don't know the Flats are in Cleveland, it's all the nightclubs up there. So Ray Serge, he was a Pirates, now Pirates pitching coach, started dancing with some girl, and he said, blankety, blank, blank. And when Bob Gibson says, Tommy, get out of here. And little did you know, <laughs> they, were in jail that, they were in jail that night. And, and Don's son came out to the house. He wanted to meet my dad and that, that Sunday afternoon. So my mom said to Don and Bob, how was Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing about it all, Roger Roger would know better than all of us because uh, he's down there a lot just going back to Atlanta. But he was to uh, broadcast the uh, 2018 series, but he had a very unfortunate accident. He broke his leg, and the leg mm. did not clear up uh, as much as they would like it to. It was a long-lasting thing. And then, of course, he got the cancer on top of that, and uh, that mm. was the end. He never broadcast again after 2018. Oh, yeah, it was a shame, but he he was a terrific uh, broadcaster, too. Hey, Roy, I wanted to uh, ask you a question to follow up about uh, the game on Sunday. Uh, do you think if Hill had not been uh, unavailable uh, to play, that that would have made any difference in the game? Because the problem seemed to be that um, the uh, he he couldn't get the, uh, the ball uh, d- down the field. Okay, and I think it's probably from the because of the broken ribs, don't you think? Roy? Mm-hmm. Oh, did we lose Roy? No, he's on there. Well, that the well, what the way told uh, our executive producer Frank has a chance. Frank Carroll <laughs> has a chance to get him back on again, and. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. But Roger, you, you, I think you may have hit on something. I don't think he was a hundred percent. I don't think he was a hundred percent when he came back initially to play the what the last three games. And uh, so I, I, I would not, uh, I would not argue with you about your point. Well, yeah, and also, you know, uh, is he, he back? Also is Roy had there? Torn uh, shoulder. Mhm. That's that was the reason, it, Roger. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Roy is Roy there? I'm trying to get him back on now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the I just thought the uh, the uh you know with the injuries that uh that he had it was it, he just could not get that ball down uh the field. 
And I thought that, you know, Hill has that strong arm and they put Winston in and what, you know, what he threw a touchdown pass. I mean, it was poor coverage, but it was a a touchdown. You guys, I guess you couldn't hear me, huh? No, no. (laughs) That's why I wanted to get your opinion about uh, on Sunday, if Hill had been available uh, do you think that that would uh, would have uh, Sean would have made a uh, a change? Yeah, I hear I hear that. Uh, I heard the question. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that made a big difference. Uh, look, he was he was a uh, he played in about twenty five percent of the snaps. Uh, Taysom Hill throughout the course of the season, but he played in twenty five percent of the snaps throughout the course of the season. He was a big part of their offensive game plan, and all of a sudden, now you're taking out in essence a quarter of your your game plan and maybe he's effective or or really uh figures into you know maybe 12 or 14 plays along the way along the way but those are 12 or 14 usually critical plays that made a big difference in in games for them um you know whether he's throwing the ball running the ball uh just it, it really uh was a, an element of their attack that uh that threw a lot of teams off and so yeah, I think it made a big difference. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, to me, as soon as I heard that he was not going to play, I thought, well, that's a big edge for the Bucks. And I thought right then and there the Bucks would probably win the game because there's just so much uh, that he, Taysom Hill, uh, does in that, in that scheme now that um, uh, it was really just something they – it was going to be hard to overcome, again, because you got there uh, riding him as much as you rode anybody outside of uh, Alvin Kamara and – and Drew Brees. So, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, and if you know that, uh, we, you know, we haven't heard anything and I don't know that we're going to, we're going to, but if uh, Brees was hurt, was, you know, not even a hundred percent there, you certainly could have turned at some point to Taysom Hill and said, Hey, you know what, you got to go run this thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they probably could still could have won. So, you know, but Hey, this is the thing in the playoffs in the NFL, especially it really is about, you know, what kind of breaks you get. Who do you face mm-hmm. on what particular Sunday or maybe it's a Saturday, but uh, who do you face? How, who's healthy? Who's not? Um, you know, the, the Bucks caught a break and they took advantage of it. If they get another break like this in uh, Green Bay this Sunday, who knows? They could be in the Super Bowl. They've, they've certainly got a chance. There's no doubt. They can beat Green Bay. Mm-hmm. They've done it before. Um, they did something yeah. no one else has done, and that's get to, to uh, Aaron Rodgers. If they can do it again, they can win again. I agree. Well, they got a real break, obviously, when that second touchdown was called back because of the block in the back. I mean, it was a legitimate call. They made yeah. a nice uh, recovery TV-wise. They showed, <clears throat> excuse me, they showed exactly what happened, and it was a block in the back. But uh, you know, you take that away, seven points right there away, and it's and you're you're uh, behind the eight ball to start with. That really changed the complexion of the game. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I think that the real turning point was uh, the, the strip uh, by Antoine Winfield for the Buccaneers against Jared Cook. Uh, that that right. pass completion, just as you're, you're up by seven points, or if you're New Orleans, you're up by seven points, Tampa Bay's down by seven. You're kind of rolling. You're back into Tampa Bay territory. Uh, you got them back on their heels a little bit, and all of a sudden Winfield comes up and strips the ball from Cook, and uh, that's where the real turning point was for me. But I agree with you, uh, Don. That play... Uh, if, if they get that, they're up ten points, ten to nothing, right. and Tampa Bay is basically out of its game plan. So uh, that was just right. as much of a turning point as anything. Uh, you're absolutely right. That was a big break for Tampa Bay. Roger. 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you, from what I heard today, uh, you know, there's all kinds of speculation about the weather. Uh, but uh, it's going to be cold. There's supposed to be snow, just like Roy, you said. But I'll tell you, a lot of people, and I agree, I think the uh, the, the Bucks are far superior overall on offense with a lot more weapons, and especially if Antonio Brown can come back and, you know, have, mm-hmm. and have a really – He didn't practice today, Roger. He didn't practice oh, today. Oh, okay. Then he might not be back, period, Okay. But, I don't know. Uh, that, Roy, Roy probably knows more than I do. Yeah, well, I know he didn't practice. And, and what Roger's getting to, I think, is the fact that there's a lot of weapons there, even if Antonio Brown can't. I mean, heck, you saw yeah. the catch by Tyler Johnson, not the hockey player, but Tyler Johnson, <laughs> who's caught 14 passes all year, I think it is. Uh, tremendous hands. I mean, and look, you know, Tom Brady's still trying to figure out how to get more balls to Scotty Miller. The Bucks have so many weapons offensively that I agree with you, uh, Roger. Offensively, they can absolutely match whatever Aaron Rodgers puts out there. I think it's going to absolutely. come down again to what kind of play do the Bucks? What do the Bucks get from their defense, particularly their secondary, and how much, if at all, can uh, can can Green Bay shut down Tampa Bay's attack? The edge that New Orleans had early in the game, as Don alluded to, was they got they almost had 10 points off their special teams right off the bat. And, you know, if you can do that against Tampa, get 10 points from your special teams, you're going to be in pretty good position. But right now, look, the Bucks are playing their best football. It took him, it took him 17 weeks, maybe 16, but 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. But right now they're playing their best football all the way around. And, they showed something a little bit different last last week in terms of uh, pass defense. Instead of playing such a soft zone that uh, they knew Drew Brees could probably pick them apart in, uh, they, they got up uh, on the line of scrimmage. Uh, they got physical with guys, and they showed that they can play some man coverage. And uh, they might have to do it again against Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's definitely a tougher uh, battle against Aaron Rodgers. He can move around himself. Um, but there is no question Tampa Bay can win this game. And you know what? No matter who they face uh, in the Super Bowl, they can win that too if they get there. Mm-hmm. Well, Roy, the other thing I'd like to bring up, and you made the point earlier, I think, in your uh, first question we uh, we talked about, and that was the weather. Uh, you, I think you said it was supposed to be 24. Uh, I, I don't know what the temperature. That's good enough for me, 24. But I like the mm-hmm. fact that Brady and uh, uh, really spent some time talking about don't worry about playing in the cold. I, I, to me, every time you talk about going to Green Bay, they always talk about, oh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be, hey, listen, Brady and Gunk have played in a lot of cold weather. You, if you remember when they played Oakland to get into the Super Bowl before, it was snowing and rain. And, I mean, they played in they're not, they're not going to be scared of the cold. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to think that, you know, this is a week where, what, whatever they know about playing in the cold. And there, there has to be, you know, I don't think it's a matter of you're just used to it, you know, uh, although maybe it is, you know, but there's probably a, a couple of keys to it. It's like, you know, look, make sure, you know, you dress warm, but don't, don't put on so many layers that you can't move your arms, you know, don't, don't, don't overdo it. There's probably some little trick that they can pass on to the guys who've not played in that kind of cold. And, and let's face it with the bucks, there's a bunch of them. Um, you know, the Bucks. it's always an issue with the Bucks when they go into cold weather, go into prime time, because they just historically have not played well 
in those situations. Um, this one, thankfully for the Bucks, is uh, not in prime time, so we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, it, it is a big game. It is in the cold. That is, you know, it is an environment that Tampa is not particularly used to, but it's going to help that guys like Brady and uh, and uh, obviously Gronkowski and you know what Antonio Bryant as well uh, have played in that kind of in those kind of temperatures. You know, because again, even the young players, um, <clears throat> some of them. Most of them have, you know, played in the South. There aren't too many guys who played, you know, in Michigan or Iowa or anything like that. There's a few, but um, most of them, uh, they're, they're kind of used to playing in decent weather too because their biggest games are usually in bowl games that are either indoors or in a nice, sunny, uh, warm environment uh, in California or Florida somewhere so or Texas. So um, it, it's a little bit different for them, but um, I, don't think it's, I don't think the weather is going to be that much of a factor. And if it is, probably be a factor for both teams. Dummy. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great point. You know what? You know the main thing concerns me, Roy, for Sunday's Buck game is going to be the kicking game, the field goals. Which way the wind's blown? Whether they're going to defer to get the second half kickoff? That's some in special teams. Twenty-four degrees. Yeah, if it's twenty-four degrees and if it's snowing, you know, footing could be a problem. Obviously. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It. It. It's gonna. That's gonna be a factor for both teams, and that's why. Getting in the end zone is going to be so important, but again, the yes. Bucks have those weapons. So, I, look, I think you can expect a bit of a shootout again. Uh, probably score. You know, I don't think it's going to be as low scoring as the the uh, as the uh, New Orleans game. I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring. I think you could see both teams in the 30s in this one, even if the weather is bad. Um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but you're right, Tommy. The kicking game is going to be important. And again, you know, the Bucks have a guy in Ryan Suckup who's. Uh, who's been there. He's been doing it for a number of years. He probably knows how to make those adjustments. But, hey, uh, the wind could be a big factor as well. So that's one thing we're not quite sure of. We know it's going to be cold. If it's snowing, that's going to make it even tougher. If it's snowy and windy, it's going to be real tough for those kickers, for sure. Well, Well, you know, it will be. And I think uh, that could be the difference, Roy, in the game. is a field goal or, you know, an extra point, something like that. And, uh, but I'll tell you, it was interesting. I was listening to a Brett Favre show. Uh, I guess it was yesterday. And uh, he was talking about uh, some of the games that he played, you know, up there and, and uh, how you adjust. And uh, like you guys were saying, you know, Brady, he said on Sunday night, his, <laughs> his blood has thinned out in Florida. But, uh, you know, he's played in that kind of weather no matter what it is many times. So if you need a guy to adjust, I think it's Tom Brady. Absolutely, yeah, no doubt. And uh, like I said, I mean, he, he was already saying, he says, you know what, you just you dress warm. And, you know, and the other thing is uh, Bruce Arians was talking about how uh, the technology nowadays. We lose Roy. Yeah, the computer's really giving us some uh, hard times right now. Okay. Well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you, following up, while we get uh, Roy back on again, following up uh, your your point there, uh, he was also uh, talking about uh, what's going to happen with uh, Kansas City. Uh, he talked about the number of games he played and the number of games he played where he was injured and uh, went on and played anyway and the concussions that he had. And the early reports from the doctors and from Regan 
I thought were very encouraging for for only being on Wednesday that they thought he was going to be able to play. I I would have thought they you know they would have been a lot closer to saying wait a minute wait a minute we got to you know we got to take some time right up till Saturday before we can make that kind of an yeah. announcement. Yeah, exactly. There's no doubt, Don. Absolutely. You know that uh, you would uh, think they'd wait and. And I, but yeah, was, did he real? did, um, I wanted to ask, did, did um, he have a concussion or was it something else? No, concussion. Uh, it was. Oh, a, Roy's okay. back. Okay. Yeah. Did Go you ahead, hear, Don. did you hear our discussion about uh, Favre's comments about, you know, what's going to happen in Kansas City about the concussions? Did you hear our, what we said? No, I didn't. Uh, and, and what's the latest on that? I mean, uh, why well, he, he did, I, I'm pretty sure Patrick Mullins practiced today for a little bit, right? I mean, that was the plan that he was going to practice. That's what I, That's what. I, that was my point. I, I can't understand. Farb was very outspoken about the times he played with concussions and the times he was hurt, and uh, you know he really uh, put the onus on. Hey, the medical staff has to make some kind of decisions here. The league has to make some kind of decisions, and even Reed said himself. Uh, on Monday, you know, this is out of my hands. The doctors take care of this. But you're right, Roy. Uh, the little bit I saw today, they said he was going to be on the practice field today. I can't believe it. Yeah, I, when I heard the report about the practice field, what I heard was that he was going to be out there, which, and whether he was going to actually be practicing with the team, whether he was going to be doing some individual work, whether he was just going to be out there watching, no one knew what that was going to be. And I don't think the – I'm not sure that the Chiefs – I don't think the Chiefs allow – anyone to watch practice. Um, my guess is they don't. Very few teams do anymore. Um, you get about uh, 20 minutes, uh, usually just warm-ups. You get to watch them uh, stretch, and that's about it. So um, I haven't seen any film on it. My guess is, um, you know, but, again, at this point, it doesn't even matter if, if Patrick Mahomes practices. He doesn't have to practice this week uh, in order to play well on Sunday. It, it's really a matter of getting him to the game on Sunday. And uh, – I think we saw that with Chad Henney uh, backing him up. That I don't care if you got two weeks to, to get to prepare that guy. You're not going to have much of an attack with him. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't even want to take a guess. I mean, I don't know how Patrick Mahomes feels. Uh, I hope he feels great, and I hope he plays because I think that's going to be the best. Uh, that's going to be the best game and give uh, the Bills their best uh, their best shot. But um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm a little surprised that. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of taken the turn that it has with uh, people wondering, but we'll see. Roy, you know, once Roy, again, thank you very much for the first half hour. At, uh, as always, very informative. Sorry we had a couple of technical problems, but look forward to next week, and we'll talk about how those bucks make out. Indeed we That's will, guys. Right. Thanks for having me. Have a great week. Roy, okay. take care. Have a great Take care. Thanks, Roy, my friend. Rick, Rick Peckham is on, the, is on the line right now, and, of course, we're talking about the National Hockey League night in, night out. And uh, one thing right now uh, about the Lightning is uh, they're being hit a little bit with the virus. So, uh, Rick, let's talk about that first. Uh, how are we going to make out? Well, as far as I know, uh, at this point, uh, the two guys who were listed on the COVID list, which I don't think means that they have COVID-19, it's just more of a precautionary thing where Curtis McElhenney and Blake Coleman. And uh, so I haven't seen anything that said they're not in the lineup for the game tomorrow night in Columbus. But uh, I, I understand that uh, one of their upcoming coming opponents their Carolina is going to have uh, 
couple more games postponed and their next game that they would have scheduled and hopefully they can make it by next Tuesday is against the lightning because of their right. COVID issues. So uh, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, it was a totally clean slate in the bubble over the summer, but now we're not in the bubble and uh, a little COVID reality, I think is striking the national hockey league in a few areas. Tommy. Well, which is good, Rick. Welcome. Welcome back. It was great to see you the other night. Uh, Hernando Oaks has your name on it. So it's out there today. So he has your name on it. Greens are in quick shape. Let's give me a call. But, you know, getting back okay. to the first two games versus Chicago, you know, that was lightning hockey right there. I mean, that was puck, you know, tape to tape to tape. And Stamkos is back to his normal position. I got a big question for you. Do you think they're going to miss Kucherov the way they're playing right now? Well, I think you're always going to miss a guy like uh, Nikita Kucherov, who, you know, you throw him in there with McDavid and Dreisaitl over the past three years. I think they're the top three scorers in the league. And he's just such an offensive force. But as we've seen, I think in in, uh, the steps that this team has taken in growing into a Stanley Cup champion, the resiliency, the versatility. uh, Right. I hate to use the next man up type of uh, cliche, but, you know, they, they've been able to pick up the pieces and, and just keep going. Right. And uh, yeah. I think they, they look like they can't do that. Although I don't think Chicago was a stern test to, to say the least. No. Uh, there were no. portions of both games. I thought they didn't really play that well, but you know, no exhibition games, a short training camp. Uh, we're going to have to judge this team in totally different uh, parameters, I think, as we go along. Yeah, Rick, I think, I think also Coop uh, was quoted uh, during the course of the, I guess, Monday and Tuesday that you don't play with 20 anyway. You, you're going to have to use a lot of people, and uh, even more so this year because of the schedule where you're playing back-to-back and you're doing other things that are a little strange. But uh, you, you really have to use say next man up. Well, everybody says that in pro sports, but this year – that's a reality. Yeah, it really is because uh, these guys that are on the taxi squad, uh, they can get thrown in in a moment's notice. We also saw right from opening night with no Tyler Johnson in the lineup that even from a salary cap standpoint, uh, you got to dig deep into your your uh, reservoir of players. And, and uh, you know, so a lot of guys are going to be playing. It's going to be interesting to see how the goaltending gets split up over the course of these games because, as you mentioned, back-to-backs and two and three nights, three and four nights, uh, some interesting uh, problems will be posed, I think, with the schedule. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that, especially without a force like Kucherov available for the regular season. Roger? Yeah, Rick, yeah, um, I don't know whether you've uh, had a chance to watch uh, much uh, around the league uh, because of the way the schedule's set up and, and the groupings. But uh, if you have, uh, can you give us your impression of, uh, you know, teams that uh, have impressed you so far uh, this year? Well, Toronto, I'm watching them right now against Edmonton, and uh, they're trailing one nothing in the second period. But I think uh, they have the makings of uh, having a, a nice year if they get the goaltending and Frederick Anderson is always kind of a question mark there, but Jack Campbell, I think is establishing himself as a pretty reliable partner 
And, you know, as I said, both goalies are going to have to get the job done for any team. And it'll be interesting to see how they play. I think they're the, uh, the top team in that Canadian division, but you've got teams like Ottawa who've made considerable strides and uh, Montreal's much better. So uh, in the West, I think there's three teams that are, you know, clearly better than the rest in terms of uh, Vegas and, and Colorado and St. Louis. But uh, the Lightning's division, I, I don't see anybody really challenging the Lightning. Um, and without Kucherov for the regular season, this could become a blessing for them where they can, you know, come together as a team and be ready to compete in the playoffs and have a pretty good seating set up um, by the fact that they should be able to handle their division pretty well. Now that Northeast division, um, I don't know if Boston's going to be the threat that everybody thinks they will be. I think the Devils are a little better. The Rangers are a little better. The Islanders are okay. Um, Flyers may be the team there, but uh, Washington, they may have some COVID problems. Big story there with uh, getting fined $100,000 apparently by the league today because some guys didn't follow protocol. So oh boy, it's uh, it could be a very, very even playing field as far as that Northeast uh, group is concerned. Well, Tom LeMay, who covers the Flyers for us in Philadelphia, who's worked for them for years and years and been a part of the sports scene in Philadelphia, talked about the depth of the Flyers all the way down to the fourth line, and uh, he thought they were deeper than most any team in the National Hockey League going into the season this year. So uh, I'd have to agree with you. I think the Flyers are going to be a, a big a big point before it's all over. Yeah, their young players are maturing. They're getting better year after year, and right now, They've got Couturier out for two or three weeks, but uh, they've got, as you say, they've got some depth. And importantly, uh, we saw Brian Elliott with a shutout last night. Carter Hart's mm-hmm. going to need a strong partner. And if Elliott can play at a high level like that, I think Philly's really going to be a difficult team in that division. Tommy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, you know, it's, it's amazing that way how, you know, how like the lightning, those, those two games, Rick, were, Against Chicago, but it's still still your two and zero. Then you got to go play Torts and then in Carolina. But I think it's a great start to see everybody on the same page. Passes were great. Babalewski was terrific in goal, and I think it was great to see a live hockey game and and also see you down in the arena. So my 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 season's complete now. But no, getting back to the lighting, I think we got a great shot, Rick. To go back his cup, you know, go to the cup right now. Main thing is just play, get in the dance, and, and get Kucherov healthy. That's all we can do. Yeah, I think the big challenge, Tommy, with uh, with defending champions is that in this day and age, you're going to lose guys from your core, and the Lightning really minimize the loss as well. I mean, the, the Kucherov injury from a contract standpoint uh, was kind of convenient in, in parking his – salary and long-term injury, but then it really took that trade of Paquette and Coburn, two guys who we've really known and loved in, in their years here, but the, you know, we're not necessarily essential players. They go to Ottawa in exchange for two guys who are on long-term injury and the lightning can stash their contracts. And now all of a sudden they're cap compliant and they basically got the same team coming back. And Tommy, you were there as we were watching yes. the games, their, their line balance, you know, every line is scoring. Uh, every line mm-hmm. is dangerous. 
Um, it's just a continuation of the same identity as far as the team is concerned. So many teams at this time of year, and especially under these weird circumstances, are going to be looking to establish an identity, and they're going to have to do it quickly with a shorter season in terms of how you play and how you feed confidence from, uh, you know, in, in winning games. Well, the Lightning have already established that, and they really haven't had to change anything. So uh, I think that's really going to give them a tremendous boost and an advantage early on here. Rick, I thought you made a great point earlier talking about that it's going to take these teams now a little bit of time to come together. Uh, I know they uh, they did during the playoffs last year. They came together quickly again and, and really went on and played exceptionally hockey, good hockey. But, uh, you know, with, as you said, minimal training uh, in the off season, uh, you know, it's going to take a month or so, I would say, before, you know, the water starts to level off. Yeah, I mean, we're used to those usual mileposts in an 82-game season. You know, let's see where where everybody is at Thanksgiving, and then, okay, right. well, it's after Christmas, it's the midseason. How about the All-Star break? None of those signposts are there. So it's a whole different landscape for all of these teams. And not only, you know, 56 games versus 82, but just the way the schedule is structured. The Lightning later in the season in March – play three games in a row in Chicago at no time has mm. hockey play as hockey teams played three games in a row against the same opponent in the same city. Mm. So, <laughs> and that's just going to be part of the regular season. So it's going to be uh, some interesting battles and interesting in terms of how the team judges itself against certain opponents in, and they won't have the Colorado's or the Vegas's on the schedule this year to, to really use as a measuring stick or the Bruins mm-hmm. or some of their traditional rivals up north from the Atlantic division. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how everybody sorts everything out. Roger. <laughs> yeah, it sure will. And that, that is amazing. Isn't it? In the history of the NHL, there's never been a time when you've had the teams playing each other three times in succession. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you wonder if that uh, if the virus does uh, have more effect, Rick, that that may happen again during the season. Yeah, that's uh, it's important for the Lightning. Uh, you know, in one way, this little break they've had because they didn't have the two Dallas games. They haven't played since uh, what Friday night, uh, mm-hmm. and they'll play tomorrow, so it'll be a full seven days. You know, it, it, with the shortened camp and no exhibitions, they can really get through uh, the teaching portion of their practices. And I remember last year when the team went to Sweden, remember they got off to that rough start. They were losing games to teams they really shouldn't have lost to. And and everybody was questioning whether, you know, they were going to be a real strong contender. Well, they get to Sweden and they had four practice days. And I remember asking John Cooper at the end of that, I said, well, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to have many practice days after this because of all the days that have been eaten up on this trip. He says the teaching portion of our practices is over and it's now just maintenance. And I think that's what they're going to have from here because as we Mm. know with those Dallas games rescheduled, you know, everything's going to be more condensed. They're just not going to have the practice time. So this was a a critical break for them in terms of getting a little more preparation in their game. Uh, set up for this long stretch of a season. 
Rick, you know, the, you know the protocol much better than we do, but I, uh, you know, you look at the paper today, you see where 72 tennis players are are in quarantine over at the Australian Open. Uh, this is the first time we're going to see these teams traveling. Uh, what, what's the protocol? Are they locked in their rooms? Uh, what what goes on when they from the time they go to the airport in Tampa till they get to where they're going to go, their destination? Boy, I wish I could really give that to you because I haven't looked into it since it really hasn't affected me. And and I just know that it's very, very tight in terms of wearing a mask anywhere you go. And, and just the little things I've read, it's, you know, you really don't put yourself in public places with crowds. And players are instructed, look, don't pause for pictures, don't sign autographs because you're going to come in contact with people who right. you have mm-hmm. no idea where they've been. So there's going to be restrictions like that. And I think they're pretty much confined to the hotels for the most part, unless that something has been set up for them. So it's, it's going to be a, a tough road. It's going to be, you know, kind of bubble part two uh, in a way for them when they do travel. I don't think it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. But that's the life that uh, they lead, and that's the life that we find ourselves living in right now in uh, today's world. Rick, do you get to travel with the team, or do you do it from uh, the arena? Well, the guys will be doing the games from the arena, or in the case of, as you know, the Raptors are playing at Amelie Arena. There's a Raptors home game the same night as a Lightning Road game, the announcers oh. will be at the uh, Fox Sports studio in South Florida. Um, right. And they'll be announcing from there. But uh, whenever possible, they'll always be announcing from the uh, press box broadcast booths at Amelie Arena. Okay. Tommy? That's, that's, a, great, that's a great thought up there, Nat, because when you think about all the travel up there, Rick, and, and once again, congratulations on the Broadcasting Hockey Hall of Fame this, this past year, but you know we, we started the program. Lightning wins the cup, the Rays get in the World in the World Series, and the Bucks could be in the Super Bowl. It wasn't for Lightning winning that cup, the teams would never have have very successful seasons right after that. So I mean, it's just I, I think we got a great chance to get Cup number two, and and everything's got to go course right now, Rick. And I, I, I know it's. January, but you know all those years of confidence I am with this organization. I'm a, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time for the playoffs when they when they come back. So I think it's gonna be. It's gonna well, be I don't know if any of you guys have Boston roots at all, or any affiliation or affinity for Boston sports teams, but we're kind of perhaps in a stage here where maybe it's a budding type of Boston type of sports domination where. It, you know, for so many years, it was the Patriots, the Red Sox, uh, the Celtics uh, mm-hmm. won an NBA title. Uh, the Bruins won a cup in 2011. You know, they really had a pretty good run. And what you just uh, laid out there, Tommy, was uh, pretty significant. I mean, let's see what happens with the Bucks this weekend. I'm a huge Packer fan. 
have been for oh. about uh, 55 years. So uh, I'm hoping to stop them. But certainly, if they make it, I understand we're all going to be excited about it. But uh, yeah, well, we were just a we tremendous were, we run. Were enough, uh, Rick, we were ago. fortunate enough in Philadelphia to have the same situation years ago where the Flyers were winning, the Phillies were winning, the Eagles were winning. You know, we went through that. Uh, yep, we went through that yeah, that whole pro- process, yep. and now yeah. now you're doing now. And you said Boston did it. Now maybe Tampa, maybe Tampa Bay is going to do the same thing. We'll have to wait to see. Yep. Hopefully, this is the start of a long run here for everybody. Hey, That's Rick. I got to say, I lived in the future, 1970 to 71, and of course, you know that was the uh, Brewers uh, or the uh, the Bruins time. And I got to tell you, it, when you, I think back then, the games were on uh, Channel 38, and uh, and I lived in New Hampshire, and and I did not, I had an outdoor antenna, but you know we didn't have cable. I mean, it didn't exist. And I, I think about what I used to watch with a snowy picture of watching the Bruins games at night, you know, and uh, yeah. you know, it, it's just amazing. I, you know, I mean, that's a, that's like over 50 years now, but. It's just so different, but it, it, but the uh, uh, the air and the aroma of, uh, of of Boston hasn't changed when it comes to uh, their sports. No doubt about it. Yes, it has. Yep, and I, I think what's going on here uh, with the Rays making the series, uh, obviously the, the lineup gets overhauled a bit. The Lightning, with pretty much the same crew, hopefully can repeat. And let's see what right. happens with the Bucks. They're certainly building in the right direction um, and enjoying having Tom Brady for a couple of seasons and Gronk and, and all the magic they're creating that, uh, you know, the more passionate the fan base and, and we've seen it in Boston and, and Frank, you and Tom, you know, the, the story certainly in Philadelphia, how passionate everybody is there. And we can develop that passion here and just ramp it up more than it is right now, which has been pretty good and great support for the teams. Um, and we, you know, would like to see that uh, even ramped up more. So let's see if that success brings that. Well, We're going to uh, continue, but let me just break in for a second because I dropped out, and I don't know whether Frank told me our next guest is up or, or not. Yeah, he Because is. I dropped out from – he is up. Okay. Rick, yeah. then we have to say thank you very, very much. Uh, best of luck with the – Lightning again this year, and, and we certainly appreciate your time. Anytime you get a chance to be on with us, we really appreciate yes. it. Absolutely. Look, Thank you. Love My talking. pleasure, guys. Take care. So Thank much. you, Rick. Thank you very much. Well, next up, uh, we got Bill Matthews ready to uh, talk a little baseball. We talked a little baseball the first half hour of the show. And, uh, Bill, a lot of things are happening on the baseball front as, uh, all across the country. And, uh, uh, let's start off in Tampa Bay. We're just chatting about the, the teams that have, uh, have been so dominant. And, of course, the Rays were in that category last year. But uh, I don't know. I, 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 it's very difficult for me to assess this roster. Well, I think it's hard to assess the roster because you get hung up assessing everybody else's roster. Uh, you know, the Yankees get bigger, better, stronger. Uh, I, I don't think the Red Sox have done much to improve. I think the Blue Jays are, are a much improved team. You know, I don't I don't ever second guess the Rays, Brass, and the decisions they make. Uh, the guys they bring in, the one year guy, the guy who needs to pump his stats up. I mean, their 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 formula works. It's 
it's an incredible business model. Um, I, I'm never going to second guess them. Are they going to go back to the World Series? You know, who knows? <clears throat> but I think they're going to be competitive enough that they're going to make everybody else work to beat them. I guess that's probably the best way I can describe it. Even giving up Snell, you know, that was that was that was a fate to come. Please, they 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 knew they had to give him up. They weren't going to pay that last year or two of his contract. Um, the whole game decision, pulling him, his reaction, I, you know, I think that's moot. I don't think that's part of the discussion. I think they just needed to uh, they needed to find what they could get for his contract, and I think they did great because I think they have two of the four guys that they got in that trade. I think they're going to be big leaguers within two or three years at least, maybe even sooner. Tommy? Mm. Well, that's, that's a great thought, Bill. Welcome to the program back again. I can't believe it's it's almost that time again for spring training baseball right now. What's the situation with the Rays? Are they going to start selling tickets for the regular season or any spring training games for for the fans? Yeah, that's to a really drive down the- right, right, right now, Right now, everybody is uh, – I've got a couple of calls coming up the last weekend in January. And there's going to be some discussion about that, and 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 I I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I think, I think the the, the hang up right now naturally is COVID. I think the other hang up yeah. is the union. The union wants to get paid for a full year. They don't want to get paid for a partial year, even if they mm-hmm. play 140 games or 125 games. They want to get paid for a full season, and you know, are the owners going to go for that? That that you know that that remains to be seen. Um, are they going to – right now, everything's on schedule. Pitchers, catchers report in 29 days. Everything goes as scheduled. But, you know, we, we don't know. We don't know who's going to be in the ballpark. Uh, they're talking about maybe 10 to 15% fan capacity. Mm. Uh, so, you know, maybe 7,500, 8,500 maybe. Um, the last I saw, the last I saw, I think it was in Sunday's paper, that they were going to uh, – uh, the season ticket buyers for spring training would get preference, uh, but there was, as you said, they haven't decided on how many people they're going to allow into the stadium as yet. Uh, but if right. you have a season ticket for spring training, you would get precedent over getting in for the games. Hmm. And and that that decision is probably going to be fluid, even when they make it. Even when they make the decision, it's still going to be fluid based on numbers, based on the county you're in. You know, Charlotte County is different than Pinellas County. The, mm-hmm. the numbers they're going to allow into spring training may be different than the numbers they're going to allow into the TROP. Uh, and, and, you know, we got WWE wrestling now. So, I mean, you, know, you got to compete with those guys, too. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, oh, Roger. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know what? You do whatever you have to do, Bill, to, yeah. to uh, generate yeah. revenue. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, we certainly want baseball. It was a $4 billion loss. Um, the front office said Major League Baseball, <clears throat> I think they handed out 150 um, retirement packages in order to cut numbers down in the front office. Um, I don't know how one year's loss can impact the years and years and years of, of being in the black, but I guess it did. So uh, there's a lot of people that I know and a lot of people that I've worked with who are no longer employed, they're retired now. So it's going to be interesting mm. to see what happens next. You can you can fire 27 guys with experience 
and replace them with six guys with computers. That's that's the age we're in now. Oh boy, that's so. Well, you chatted a little bit about the Yankees at the top of the program, and uh, you know Cashman hasn't really uh, done any 